Hi guys, welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm your host Aryan, and I'm Ishwarya. Like with all our episodes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to get a chance to win a free crime ebook. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Desi Crime for regular updates. Today's episode is our first episode of the Thug Life segment of our podcast. Today's thug is none other than India's most popular villain. He is known for his character in Bollywood's biggest blockbuster, Shole. Although in real life, this dacoit committed 30 kidnappings, 31 murders, 32 dacoities, and 26 nose choppings, yet. He is still known to us today not for his atrocities, but for this one line. Hmm. कितने आदमी थे? This is Gabbar Singh. Ishwarya, did you know Gabbar Singh was an actual dacoit before I began research for this episode? I haven't actually. I only know of him from the movie Shole. And that's the crazy thing, right? I mean, dacoits who make up such a large chunk of colonial and post-colonial India. And if we don't know about Gabbar Singh, the most popular dacoit slash villain in Bollywood, imagine how many dacoits have slipped through the pages of history. Okay so for all you non desi listeners and desi listeners who have committed the crime of not knowing Gabbar Singh let me lay bare the details Gabbar Singh is the villain of arguably the most popular bollywood movie ever in that movie he is a terrorizing dacoit whose dialogues have become a part of the indian vernacular the dialogue kitne aadmi the <laughs> which we just played for you is a small example of the imprint gabbar singh has left on indian cinema for all the legacy glamour and fame that this fictional dacoit received very few know of the actual dacoit gabbar singh who was the inspiration for this beloved villain but that's the thing aran i don't think this has anything to do with gabbar singh specifically but more to do with our general knowledge of the dacoits in india even though they play a very significant role in the political landscape of the places in which they stay or of the cultural landscape the tourism industries where they stay they do have significant impacts there but yet i feel like we as a populace don't know about them till the time they don't feature in big bollywood movies with big stars playing them and ishwara this really troubles me not knowing your culture and its history is one of those things that compels me to revolutionize the educational system and cbse just look at the west for example unfortunately children are taught about the wild west popular culture has helped educate the populace about the times when cowboys roamed the streets of the american frontier 
Although lawless and brute, Americans have made these cowboys and this era into an iconic self-image of the United States. I consider Dacoits the cowboys of the East. I mean, from Thug Bhairam to Foolan Devi, their stories are endless, in number and in bravado. Dacoits and thugs, much like cowboys, rode on horses, stole from the rich, gave to the poor, they were lawless outcasts, rebels as one may call them. But when I say cowboy, what's the image that it elicits in your mind? Um, a white man with golden flowy hair, a gorgeous golden beard, a brown Stetson with brown cowboy boots, a horse, a rope okay, across his shoulder. Okay, I got the memo. Shoulder. Thanks, thanks Ashwara, <laughs> I got it. And what does your mind conjure when I say dacoit or daku? A black bearded thief, I A think? black bearded thief, exactly. It is part funny and part sad how we've been conditioned to see extremely similar characters differently. Well, if this podcast does anything, I hope it helps decondition your biases and help you dwell deeper in Desi history. However, Gabbar Singh isn't the most subtle decoyed. He's known for many things in 1950s rural India, but benevolence, morals, and respect aren't one of them. It is rather the fear the fear of Gabbar Singh Gujjar, which didn't let the children of Chambal Valley sleep at night. This fear is what immortalized the real Gabbar Singh into the most popular villain in all of Bollywood. <laughs> <laughs> If there was a villainous laugh archetype, Amjad Khan's laugh as Gabbar Singh in the movie Shole is the leading contender. Just that laugh right now you heard, just that laugh is enough for you to know that this dacoit is absolutely mad. Okay, so full disclosure before beginning this podcast, I am guilty and I say this with a tear in my eye. I am guilty of not watching Shole. And I know you haven't either, Ashwarya. I'm really ashamed to say this, but I haven't either. Firstly, because I think no matter how famous a movie is, if it belongs to a time much before you were born, you immediately sort of look at the quality and the dialogues and the costumes and it all seems really over the top and not something you've grown up to. And also the movie is three hours long. I'm sorry, I just cannot sit through that. I think the point about relatability that you bring out is really important. I promised myself I will watch Shole in preparation for this episode. But it is longer than Irishman. This movie is 3 hours 24 minutes long. And I'm I'm certain you know why, Ashwarya. The songs? The songs. IMDb calls this movie, and I kid you not, IMDb calls India's most famous action movie ever an action musical. <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest genre ever. But the Hollywood genre template doesn't fit Bollywood. A characteristic of Indian cinema are the boisterous, wild, colourful songs. By that definition of a genre, almost every Indian movie is a musical. And Shole wasn't short of its songs. So basically, I had the option of either watching a three-hour-long film or reading records of the Madhya Pradesh police from the 1970s. 
I chose the menial task. Such is my dedication to our podcast. But in order for you to understand the real Gabbar Singh, you need to know a little about the movie that eternalized his name. This movie, Shole, was released in 1975. Since then, it has sold over a hundred million tickets in India. That's almost one third the population of United States, and 60 million tickets in the Soviet Union. Some say this is the highest-grossing Bollywood movie ever. However, now I would like Ashwarya to read a few reviews of the re- movie, which I retrieved from newspapers from 1975. Okay, so this says, "quote Dead Ember," quote a gravely flawed attempt, making it a limitation western, neither here nor there. Out. Others labeled it as sound and fury, signifying nothing, and a second-rate takeoff. There's another one which says, "quote As a spectacle, it breaks new ground, but on every other level, it's intolerable, formless, incoherent, superficial, inhuman image, and a somewhat nasty piece of violence." Guys, End quote. <laughs> guys, these are the reviews for India's most popular movie ever, and that's funny. Because this movie was actually a box office flop in its first two weeks. However, after two weeks, through word of mouth, the movie's entire charm spread, and the rest is history. The plot is simple: Thakur, a retired policeman, hires two ex-convicts, Jay and Viru, to capture the terrorizing dacoit, you know who, Gabbar Singh. For more information about the movie, go watch it. Now we come to the real Gabbar Singh which all of you have been waiting for. His character in the movie was actually inspired by Jaya Bachchan's father's writing. Tarun Kumar, Jaya Bachchan's father, was a profound writer who wrote about the dacoits in the Chambal Valley. So the Chambal Valley you guys is a region which encompasses the states of Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh, and madhya pradesh and is infamously known for housing dacoits so in the context of these dacoits if you ever mention them if you ever talk about them if you're ever trying to understand them you need to understand the politics and the geography of the chambal valley which most indian dacoits call home in his book abhisapta chambal one of the most dreaded dacoits is gabbar singh and this is where the character was born both amjit khan who played the role of gabbar and director sippy of shole to cues from this real life dacoit his name his mannerisms and his quirks but it took far more research to find out more about gabbar singh himself i was only able to trace a couple of reliable and complete sources about gabbar singh both of these were in part written by officer khusro faramurz rustam ji The more I read about him, Ashwarya, the more I am in awe of how absolutely amazing a human being he was. I just feel that it sucks. Had I not started this podcast with you, I would have never known of him. He is the pioneer of the Public Interest Litigation Act in India, and he is also the founder of the Border Security Force. I hate not knowing about accomplished individuals whose creations we are surrounded by in India. Everyone knows about the PIL and BSF but we don't know about the great KF Rustam ji who pioneered them. I understand that Aran but what does Rustam ji have to do with Gabbar Singh? Everything Ishwarya from his birth 
to his activities to his death gabbar singh and the other decoys in the chambal became such a nonsense for then prime minister nehru that the administration sent over kf rustam ji to become the inspector general of madhya pradesh police make note guys rustam ji and jawahar lal nehru prime minister of india were close friends in fact rustam ji was nehru's special intelligence aide nehru knew the mammoth task of quelling the rising dacoity in chambal with ruthless barbarians like gabbar singh at its forefront and he only chose his most trusted man for the job during his time in the police inspector general kf rustam ji maintained a diary of his service all of which have been chronicled by author and activist raja gopal pv in his book the british the bandits and the borderman okay you have me hooked please tell me what you found enough for our listeners to say the real gabbar is the real deal Gabbar Singh Gujjar was born almost a hundred years back in 1926. His father was Raghuvar Singh, and they belonged to a village called Dang in Bhind, Madhya Pradesh. Gabbar Singh was born a Gujjar by caste. This detail is of utmost importance while talking about dacoity. Dacoit gangs were formed on the basis of caste, and enmity and animosity was predicated on caste differences. The Gujjars were always at horns with the Brahmin gangs. In fact, caste was such a matter of pride for dacoits that in 1860s, a few years, a few decades rather, before Gabbar Singh was born, the British sentenced dacoity not to death, but to prison in Kalapani or Blackwaters, a jail which was in the Andaman Islands off the shore of mainland India. One common superstition among the religious class was that if you cross your motherland over international borders, you would be cursed. and lose your caste the fear of this the fear of losing your caste led to decrease in dacoity in the late 1890s such was the pertinence of caste and unfortunately still is in some parts of india now gabbar had two brothers and a sister they survived of a small piece of cultivable land but gabbar had to do menial tasks such as carting stones to a quarry and laboring to meet the needs of the family Gabbar dreamed of more. He yearned for more. And in a report written by Assistant Superintendent AC Trikha in 1959, he reports that the young man was influenced by the power and respect which dacoits earned. Now I understand how dacoits through fear gained power, but the element of respect staggers me. So Aran, I understand where you're coming from, but I just want to point out that it's clear that he came from a really poor family. It's clear that his family was finding it tough to make ends meet, and it's usually in those kind of families where respect for anti-authoritarian figures usually starts mm. because people like these who grew up in these families somewhere begin to feel that the authority is what has failed them, and that's what leads to this rise of respect that you're questioning. That's right. And There was respect for dacoits for many reason caste based loyalties as i just mentioned their robin hood like stature well they were fighting the enemy of the enemy and that made them their friends let me quote two lines from a paper written on social hierarchy of dacoity in india i quote dacoits in this area are regarded very much they are the inspiration of young people they are the robin hoods of the area A decoyed guest would be introduced by saying that he came after three murders. 
he may be available for the work if he is required for the villagers he is given approval of his actions by the society unquote after being embroiled with the luster of dacoity gabbar finally left his village and in 1955 he joined the gang of kalyan singh gujjar joining a gang was much like joining a secret society or a fraternity there existed a period of pledging to test the loyalty of the member albeit the pledging didn't necessarily involve murder as soon as gabbar joined the gang he was made to do things like committing murders dacoities and kidnappings and all this was done to ensure he does not leave the gang and also that he was not planted there by the police themselves in a short while gabbar earned the term gabra ishwara you are from a jat family would you mind explaining to the audience what gabra means so it refers to somebody who's strong more so in their physical stature but also somebody who's kind of rough on the edges right. not a very sophisticated <laughs> Stop character making me blush. i get it thank you so much um After a few months due to tensions with other gang members as well as issues of interest with its leader Kalyan Singh Gujjar Gabra parted ways and formed his own gang Now I dug up a little about Kalyan Singh Gujjar and I was only able to find him mentioned in one of the police reports from 1972 when a massive dacoit surrender took place where gangs and gangs of dacoits just surrendered and that might just be one of our episodes but that's the only mention I could find of Kalyan Singh Gujjar Regardless Gabra parted ways and formed his own gang with five or six members During the period October to December 1956 he committed a spate of murders and dacoities to enhance his image as a gang leader the reign of terror that he unleashed in the surrounding villages of the districts of bhind gwalior in madhya pradesh dholpur in rajasthan and itawa in uttar pradesh which included murder dacoity and kidnapping children for ransom sealed the lips of the villagers and none came forward to give any information about his movements to the police I am from Kanpur a city very close to Itawa and I have heard the fear of dacoits that loomed over the city skies decades back I can only imagine how bad it would be when a madman took over your city I don't I want to stop you here and ask from what you say although Gabbar Singh of course comes off as ruthless he seems like a quote unquote normal dacoit why did people fear him more than any other dacoit in the Chambal Valley This is where it gets really interesting Ishwarya. He wasn't your normal give me money or I will kill your son dacoit. No. Far from it. Gabra was religious and highly superstitious. I see your expressions Ishwarya and I know you already know where this is heading. Of course I do. This is India. <laughs> It's the land of saints, babas and astrologers. Someone crazy must have told Gabbar something and I'm pretty sure he believed it. Well, it depends on what you define as crazy. I think what I am about to tell you is beyond crazy. Gabbar had a tantric. A tantric is basically an astrologer. This tantric told him, and I kid you not, that if you, Gabra, cut off the noses of 116 people, If you Gabbar Singh sacrifice 116 noses to the goddess no bullet ever no. fired by the police 
or any person can ever touch you. Please tell me he didn't believe that. Oh yes, he did. At least he tried his best. And so began the tyranny of the infamous Noslayer, who between 1956 to 1957 chopped off the noses of more than a dozen people in the villages of Machuari and Bhakore. In fact, if you have seen Shole, you will immediately draw a connection. Shole's most intense and memorable scene is where Gabbar Singh chops off the hands of Officer Thakur. The funny thing, or not so funny. is that this has been adopted from the real life of gabbar singh let me also point out that in reality gabbar singh actually chopped off the noses of two police constables much like in the movie gabbar chops off officer thakur's hands bahut jaane hai tumhe ye haath humko de de thakur nahi ye haath Now the police isn't going to sit there and do anything, right? Gabra was one of the five decoys in the region who was crazy, inching on insanity. His atrocities were rebuked even by the general population of these areas. Unlike other decoys, he didn't have the Robin Hood persona. After all, he was Gabbar Singh. Inspector General Rustam ji realized that old approaches to the decoity problem were ineffective. The regressive police methods were best symbolized by the fact that before attacking a decoyed gang, officers would still shout "Har Har Mahadev," which is basically a war cry since everything depended on luck instead of thorough planning. The decoits always had one step on the police. For many reasons, they had the support of the people. caste loyalties decoits were usually ex military men with available ammunition kf rustam ji sought to change this to begin with he classified all the hundreds of decoits according to the threat they posed each decoit got a rank assigned they were ranked from g1 which is the most threatening decoit to g100 which was the least of their concerns gabbar singh was g4 the fourth most feared decoit in the whole of india in a span of 3 years gabbar had committed 31 murders 30 kidnappings 32 decoities imagine this being in us or europe right this is like an update on ted bundy but we don't know of, we don't it's just the context is so different and we don't know enough there were so many stories like gabbar gabbar isn't the only one right if there if gabbar is g4 Imagine the decoit who was ranked G3, G2 or oh I even fear to think about a G1. The police tried many tactics to trace his gang, which according to the History of Madhya Pradesh, a book published in 1965, had grown to 28 members. This 28 member decoit gang was among the largest gangs. At one point the police were also successfully able to encircle him. However, he managed to run away. Okay hold on Aryan you said they caught him how were they able to catch him well gabbar singh assumed that there was an informant involved okay hold on i want to take this time to explain what an informant is to our viewers or khabris as we know them so informers you guys are basically convicts that are caught by the cops for petty crimes like thievery trespassing or arson and once they are caught the cops actually let them free without any charges and they do that 
so that in exchange these convicts can go out go back into their little gangs of criminals and feed the cops with information that they need and that's their entire job and that's really interesting actually these people form a very important structure of the police system in india and that's really cool to me well this informant wasn't the luckiest once gabbar singh got out of the police raid it was suspected that there was an informer from the village of dinpura once he escaped ashwarya he did the unimaginable he lined up 21 people from the village of dinpura who he suspected to be informers this included peasants children's farmer poor people and he shot all 21 point blank just to send no. a message across but we live in a world of politics and none of this got the government to act after all those 21 were poor people and poor people die they thought it was when this became political is when the government actually acted this is my favorite part of the story remember i told you how the astrologer told him cutting noses would save his life well the exact opposite happened the opposition party found 12 people whose noses had been cut off by gabbar and they paraded them in front of the state legislative assembly pictures came in newspapers of people without noses and gabbar became national headline now due to political pressure the government had to act up immediately a price of rupees 50000 was set as bounty on gabbar singh's head which in today's value is over 5 lakh rupees they also sent over the inspector general of police bg ghate who was asked to camp in bhind to personally supervise the operation against gabbar i mean that just tells you how threatening he was both rustam ji and ghate decide to assign the task force against gabbar to the young deputy superintendent rajendra prasad modi He was an up-and-coming officer who had already taken part in the successful encounter against the gang of the one-handed female dacoit Putli Bai. Modi had unconventional and new ways to deal with the situation. This is the point in the story where Gabbar Singh's miscalculated moves and recklessness backfire, and the police finally get an upper hand. The police firstly implements a new policy wherein they request farmers to change their agricultural practices. The start of every harvesting season in Chambal brings about these interesting developments. The general practice in these area is to cut the ear of the corn only and leave the stalk standing for providing the green fodder to the capital. Now you need to understand that Chambal is a predominantly agricultural based area. and these stalks which they leave hanging are at least a meter long and spread all over chambal provide perfect cover as a hideout for these dacoits so the police by requesting an early harvest from the farmers not only enable them to get the crops to be removed earlier but they also request the farmers to cut the stalks from the roots what this does is take away the hideout of the dacoits There's a funny story once the police actually administers this policy that there was one decoy so troubled by the fact that his hideout had disappeared he actually went to a court and sued the police uh, it's ironic that he found something illegal but yeah he actually did that 
As for Deputy Superintendent Modi, he knew that the only way to locate Gubbar's gang is to make relentless efforts at building up confidence of the people in the police, hoping that one day, that one day, they would lead him to Gubbar. His efforts paid off. In May 1959, Modi was at the Gohar sector camp with the other police personnel when he noticed a fire blazing away at a distance. Upon reaching the small hamlet of the village of Ghumkapura, he noticed that the entire village was on fire. The police party immediately went about extinguishing the fire and brought it under control within an hour. Meanwhile, a poor, scheduled caste person who was there rushed to Modi, begging him to save the life of his son who was still stuck in the fires. The boy was nowhere to be seen. Without flinching, Modi, and remember Modi was much superior in caste, according to that time's moral standards, as well as in rank, he was the highest ranking officer present. Modi himself rushed inside and rescued the five-year-old boy of a scheduled caste peasant. Modi put the poor boy in his jeep and asked the father to rush him to the hospital and also gave the father money to do his treatment. This person's name was Ram Charan. Ram Charan was the missing link and Modi's tactics paid off. Okay, so hold on. You're telling me that Ram Charan, this random person that Modi meets in a village and helps out from the goodness of his heart, has absolutely nothing to do with Gabbar at this point. Oh, he was an absolute stranger. This was almost like a karmic revelation taking place. So, I'm guessing this is going to a point where Ram Charan is the one who's going to help Modi find Gabbar and you're telling me that's purely luck? Yes, his policy completely wow. worked. That is right out of a movie. That's the thing, right? While doing my research for this case, it seemed as if Shole could have taken this plot and been as successful because everything seems filmy. But Ashwarya, wait for what's about to come. After 25 days, guess who showed up at Officer Modi's door? Ramcharan. Ramcharan came to Modi to thank him for saving his son's life and in return for what Modi had done for him, gave him information about Gabbar Singh. He asked Modi to accompany him and took him by foot in the night to Dang, Gabbar Singh's village. From there, he took him to the highway, the Gwalior Bhind Road. After standing there for some time, he walked another 200 yards to his village, Ghumkapura. Ram Charan was particular that Deputy Modi memorized the route as his village served as the hideout of Gabbar and his gang. Some months later, on the fateful day of 13th November 1959, Ram Charan was seen standing in Modi's house even before daybreak. Modi spoke with him through signals. He raised his eyebrows indicating whether the gang had come. Through a slight jerk of his head and movement of his eyelids, Ram Charan indicated that there they were. And understand why both of them communicated through sign languages because they were very well aware that even in Modi's house, who's a high-ranking official who has servants working for him, there could be informers of Gabbar Singh present. Such was the fear of that dacoit. Modi drew him aside and asked the details. Ram Charan told him, and I'm trying to do this in the best Kanpuriya accent I have. 
पूरो गैंग बैठो है सबको मार डालो विच मीन्स दर गैंग इज कैंपिंग दे फिनिश ऑल ऑफ दैम द हाई डाउट वॉज द सेम दैट रामचरण हैड ऑलरेडी शोन मोदी विच वॉज राइट बिसाइड द भिंड ग्वालियर नेशनल हाईवे आरान आई फिजिकली फील स्केर्ड फॉर रामचरण लाइक दर इज एन इमेज इन माई हेड वे रामचरण इज स्टैंडिंग ऑन मोदीज गेट एंड देर इज समर्किंग इन द शेडोज हु अबाउट टू कम एंड शूट हिम पॉइंट ब्लैंक बिफोर ही सेज एनी थिंग दैर इज सो स्केरी आई फियर फॉर हिज लाइफ राइट नाउ वेल रामचरण दस फियर फॉर हिज लाइफ एंड His fear for his life and his family's life compels him. Ram Charan, remember, a poor lower caste peasant, places a condition to his superior, both in stature and caste. He places a condition on Deputy Superintendent Modi. He asks him, or rather, in the most subtlest form, orders him. I quote: "Finish off the entire gang." not one man should escape as otherwise i and my family would be wiped out modi knew he had to act swiftly this was a once in a lifetime opportunity to have one step ahead of the decoits meant everything to the success of this mission a force of 300 was assembled at gohard by 10 o'clock in the morning to fight a meager 28 such was the fear of one of the deadliest gangs in chambal valley The plan was to surround the gang from all three sides and a search party was to proceed from the fourth side. It was like something out of World War 2 German Blitzkrieg where the tanks surrounded the British troops from all side. Well, this attack was nothing short of that. Understand that the police planned on attacking the gang from all four sides. So the police had its battalions on the highway which is the bhind gwalior highway they had one on the opposite side of the highway and they had two flanks on the left and right side one on the eastern half where the railway station was there and towards the right where there was a river now if you want a better idea of how the police set up this attack we have posted a picture of the entire setup's map which was published in a madhya pradesh police exercise book from 1965 on our instagram at desi crime so if you want to get a better idea you can check it out and it will help contextualize everything the force was sent in the direction opposite to where the gang was camping so that even the policemen would not be aware where they were going this was to avoid letting the quiet informers within the police from knowing the whereabouts of this attack you see everything was planned out by modi Modi and the search party of 30 men went straight towards the spot in a vehicle. The other vehicles having one or two constables each were made to park on the national highway at a distance of 40 and 50 yards. The gang of Gabbar thought that by camping near the Bhind Gwalior highway which is which is heavy traffic on a daily basis they would almost be doing theft in a morning right you understand how you would think that stealing in the morning is unpredictable why would somebody do that and so they thought by camping close to a highway nobody would ever know we are there but modi knew they were there and modi used this he had the police vehicles parked on the national highway to make it seem like they were just patrolling the highway to check trucks and what not in fact this was a setup a setup to fool gabbar's gang if they ever try to escape By then Madhav Singh another deputy superintendent had also reached the opposite side of the highway just in case the gang tries to escape so that he could block them off 
the search party of Modi had hardly advanced 75 yards when they noticed some black objects moving. These were the heads of the gang members who were crawling on the ground to hide from the police party. Nashwara, do you remember I told you about that police policy to cut the plants from their base? Yep. Yeah. This is exactly when it took fruition. It paid here. Had those one meter long stalks of corn plants remained, you would never be able to, you know, spot heads of anybody crawling under them. But the fact that they were cut from their bottom, those heads were clear as day. The search party kept on advancing towards Gubbar's gang, and the gang, not finding any chance of escape, got up and started firing on the search party. The police under Modi immediately sprung into action and returned the fire. A moment later, about 10 to 12 khaki-clad dacoits sprang up from their hideout and opened heavy fire on the search party. They started running towards the railway line side in their bid to escape. As they approached the railway line, the policemen positioned their open fire on the gang. This, as I said, they were cornered from all the sides. Two dacoits stumbled down and the rest started running towards the national highway, hoping that is where they could escape from but as they got closer to the highway the constable sitting in the vehicles opened fire being relentlessly chased by the search party the gang made their final attempt to cross the bund on the east and bunds are these elevated areas on which roads are built you'll see this across the world the police party covering that particular bund fired on the dacoits they were blocked from all four sides and finding no escape route the remaining dacoits took position in the shrubs almost in the middle of the operational area the sun was dipping into the horizon apprehending chaos due to cross firing in the darkness and a likely bid by the remaining dacoits to use the darkness that's about to come to plot a final escape modi immediately decided to charge at the dacoits hiding in the bushes and finish the operation before nightfall he shouted attack Modi and the team of volunteers rushed towards the dacoits. Immediately the dacoits opened fire. Modi and party immediately lay down to take cover. He signaled to the head constable for a grenade and threw it at the dacoits. They made a second lightning assault on the hidden dacoits. The dacoits kept up their fire. Modi felt the need for a second grenade to lob on the dacoits. A constable Narvottam Singh tried to drag Modi to safety. but deputy modi signaled to him for another grenade and after removing the safety pin with difficulty as it had got jammed due to getting rusted modi held it for 2 seconds after releasing the lever and then threw it with lightning speed he made the third assault on the hidden dacoits and shot at the shrubs where they were hiding with his light machine gun almost as if he was tony montana in a mafioso fashion to make things more filmy all the traffic on the national highway came to a stop even trains took a halt to observe one of madhya pradesh police's greatest hours men climbed on the roofs of the buses and train and were witnessing the whole operation they were cheering the police party with shouts of maro 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 haramzada ko kill 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 the bastards The Gubbar Singh encounter was a unique one in the sense it was carried out in full view of hundreds of people who were witness to the daring and courage. 
that goes into encounters with dreaded decoits. And who more dreaded than Gabbar Singh? Modi reached the spot where some decoits lay dead. He kicked off the weapons which were in their hands. Gabbar Singh, the nose chopper, the man who murdered 30, the man who kidnapped 31, the man who chopped off the noses of 26 people, was lying there, badly injured. His jaw was totally smashed because of the grenade thrown at him, and his breath was passing through the slit in his neck. There were seven or eight decoits near Modi, dead or breathing their last. Any injured decoit who moved received a light machine gun burst. Gabbar breathed his final breath. Modi stood there with the hair of Gabbar Singh in one hand and the LMG in the other. Modi fired in the air gun to signal the end of the operation. The sun had by then set completely. It seemed as if the sun, the people, the trains, the buses were waiting for the final assault to be over before going below the horizon completely. 11 decoits were killed, including Dulare Singh, Gabbar's close aide, and Gabbar Singh himself. Unfortunately, two out of the four kidnapped boys were killed. For his valour, Rajendra Prasad Modi was recognised by the award of the President's Police and Fire Services Medal for Gallantry. His comrade Madho Singh, another deputy SP, was given the Indian Police Medal for Gallantry. And of the 50,000 rupee bounty, Ram Charan, the key in all of this, was given 5,000 rupees, which is equal to almost 50,000 rupees today. This memorable, dangerous, intricate, and filmy encounter with one of the most dreaded decoits of Chumbal Valley took place on 13th November 1959. 14th November, the next day, was Prime Minister Nehru's birthday. As a good friend, Inspector General of Madhya Pradesh, K.F. Rustamji, decided to give the Prime Minister this news as a birthday gift. This is how momentous this occasion was. Later, even the brave SP Madho Singh gave Rustamji Gabbar Singh's hair as a memento of this chapter in their lives. This was the story of Gabbar Singh. Oh my god, Aryan, this was amazing. I feel like I need to go and watch Shole tonight. But it's not just that. I feel like every single dialogue that will leave Gabbar Singh's mouth in that movie holds a completely different meaning in my head. I loved it. Let's end this episode with a scene from the movie that best symbolizes the real Gabbar Singh. The real Gabbar Singh who was sinister, raunchy, feared, maniacal. The real Gabbar Singh was indeed a Gabra. Ha 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 ha!